Ladies and gentlemen, when that kind of murder happens, no matter who the victim, no matter what his race, there is a gaping wound laid open on society as a whole. Justice has sometimes been referred to as the soothing balm to be applied to the wounds inflicted on society, but when there is no justice, those wounds can never be cleansed. Those wounds can never be healed. President John F. Kennedy, in his landmark civil rights speech to the nation, we face a moral crisis as a country and as a people. Those who do nothing are inviting shame as well as violence. Those who act boldly are recognizing right as well as reality. Today, I'm asking to act boldly to hold this defendant accountable and find him guilty simply because it is right, it is just, and Lord knows it is time. Is it ever too late to do the right thing? For the sake of justice and for the hope of us as a civilized society, I sincerely pray that it is not. Welcome to another episode of Let's Discuss It Podcast with Jay. I'm sitting here with my guy, Carnell, and my boy, Daniel Craig. How y'all doing today? Oh, we're good today. We're good. So let's let's touch a little bit on something that's been kind of, I don't want to say, it's never oversaturated when the, when the issue's important. You know, I always feel like what Will Smith said was correct. Racism isn't getting worse. It's just getting videotaped. You know, things are getting a lot more noticed recently because old videos are servicing of police brutality, you know, racist acts. You know, you always see them on YouTube, like, you know, racist women get owned or, you know, this, this and this. Like, how does this whole thing affected you as far as the protest? Well, uh, as for me, it it just showed me that where we at as a society now that we got it on tape. And, you know, we, we know it's been going on forever, you know what I'm saying? And, and just for the justice system or the due process not to come even being videotaped, that is the issue. That's a problem, you know. Have you ever, with you being a business owner, you own how many businesses? I think two uh, that I know of. Well, I got three, actually, okay. you know what I'm saying? So with you being a business owner, have you ever felt any type of racism when it came to you developing your business to where you are now? Have you, I mean, I know a lot of people know you because you do a lot in the community right. you're always doing you know backpack drives and i mean you do so much so have you even till now do you still feel you know feel any type of racism um personally i i don't think i have ever been in a situation where it has affected me but that doesn't mean it doesn't go on you know what i'm saying and i i, I represent a, a community of people that i'm proud to represent and i know it affects them so i feel like i should speak on it you know what i'm saying just because it don't affect me don't mean I should just close my eye to it. So when it came down to what happened to George Floyd and the protests, like what you're seeing now, you're seeing so many people stand up of all races who are standing up and saying, like, this is, we're going to, like, we're tired of this and we're wanting to, you know, show people that we're all standing together. Now, how did that make you feel to see that the Jackson people put a protest together? Man, it's, it's just, it's heartwarming, man, just to know that 
not only we're the ones that fighting the fight, everybody is being a part of it, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I think it was a long time coming, man. Well, you know, here in the South, it's never – it was never – I mean, it was always seen, but never really discussed when people would, even with me growing up. So when I moved to Alamo when I was very young, you know, we were the only Hispanic family that was here at the time. And, um, you know, just being able to not go to class because that when we were kids, when we came, when we moved down here, we spoke primarily Spanish because I was born in Texas. So they didn't have ESL classes. They didn't have, you know, all these, you know, Spanish speaking classes where they teach you English. So you can be in the, you know, as far as being in the I don't know, regular classroom, I guess. So we didn't have that. And to be pushed to the side because we you know, primarily spoke Spanish when I was five, we had to learn English just to go to class like everybody else. And it was I remember just being embarrassed because <clears throat> going to kindergarten was, you know, I see everybody walk to class, but then they'll veer me away to, you know, another class because they couldn't understand, you know, my, my communication with them. So, you know, me growing up in Alamo, most of my life I've experienced and seen a lot of what I would call undercover racism, which is it doesn't have to be said to to see the faces and the smirks and the after remarks when these people leave to know that it wasn't right. But what do you do when you're in a position to where, you know, you're accepted by the community, but you still see the community for what it is, you know, which is, you know, somebody will come in like, oh, you know, here they go. And then they'll come in, they'll be all nice to their face and then leave and just make, you know, remarks. I personally call that undercover racism because I feel like if you're going to be that way, then just be that way. You know, don't don't subject yourself to to put on a poise for other people if that's how you really feel. And that's where a lot of it is kind of brought to the forefront now, whereas a lot of that is getting exposed. Yeah, it's, it's being more boldly talking about or or – Nobody have a conscience when it comes to doing it now. You know, it's just it's, it's like a, a okay thing, I think. You know, and I, from a business standpoint, it hasn't happened. But society, you know, growing up, I have been in those same situations you was just speaking upon. Um, and the crazy thing about it is that you spoke spoke on those classes that you guys would, uh, you know, Hispanics would have to go into and learn English. I didn't even know anything about that till like the ninth grade. I had a Hispanic friend, and like before we go to football. He had to go to a class. I didn't even know that even mm-hmm. existed. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They created so. that when when I forgot what year it was when Pixweet opened and started hiring a bunch of out of state Hispanics and Mexicans. It really was a lot of immigrants because people who would work there would work there for a seasonal time and then they'll go back home. So when those families started, you know, started coming in for the work, that's when they started opening up the classes because their kids came here. So. You know, when they created ESL, because they started seeing more of a Hispanic population coming in through Bells, they had to do something because they couldn't just veer once one or two students. At first, it was me and my sister, Natasha. So they couldn't veer us into a classroom because, I mean, there was no way to explain, like, hey, they speak Spanish. We don't really just have that here, you know. So now it's just it's just one of those things that I, I forget. But, I mean, think about how it was back in the day when I was talking to a buddy, my coworker, and I was like, you know, it's bad that this happened and the dude knew he was being videotaped and did it anyway. Okay. Imagine how it was back in the 50s, 60s, 70s when people would see that happening and just keep walking, you know, because there was no, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm not going to get into that. You well, know? see, here's the thing. So you touched on it a while ago with the Will Smith uh, comment you made. You're right. See, now that technology's come so far, 
And it's not that racism is just something that's new. It's been around. See, now that everybody's being filmed, now it's making people accountable for their actions versus, you know, how it used to be when it was just hearsay. I mean, and it's just not, it's not so much I, the people that do it to ourselves. A lot of it's the media too. The media want, you know, it makes a story. Uh, one of the biggest things that I have a problem with is, uh, you know, when the news story first broke and it really became, you know, prevalent on media, social media and all that is it, they want to label it. And I see, I think there's a deeper, a deeper issue than, than just a racist thing. You know, we got to dive deeper into, you know, why was he the way he was? Why did he do what he did? Why did the, you know, police department let him continue to practice law enforcement? You know, why, why was he like that? You know, his childhood, you know, we got to go further back than what it was because at the end of the day, you know, they want to label it a race thing. And we don't know if it was, and it very possibly could have been driven that way. But at the end of the day, the way that they do it is white cop kills black man. And, you know, see, they're already dividing people right off the get go. Now, why can't the, why can't it read officer kills, you know, um, 35, 40 year old male? See what I'm saying? They automatically just want to shoot and, and bring color up into it. And, and you know, which, in this instance, yeah, more than likely, that's probably what it was about. But, I mean, see, and that goes to the whole media again. You see what I'm saying? It's like they're already trying to put a, a, a an idea in our head, so we'll run with the idea. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing going back to, like, this coronavirus. Like, it was such a big thing, such a big thing. When have you heard anything else about it now? Because died, the media's not down. driving it. Yeah, it's died down because right? time, time has passed and it's died down. So the coronavirus is still, I still believe that the coronavirus is still a big thing because people are still catching it. 19,000 cases just went up in a matter of a couple of days when the when the curfew was lifted and the restrictions were lifted. It actually is still a real thing. But time has passed so much from it. People forget that three, three, three months ago, four months ago, people weren't leaving their houses because they were scared. Okay, so it is, I do believe it is real. But with this whole, now what you said there's some agreements and there's some disagreements I have with that. I think that yes, we you know we do we want to dig into this dude's past to figure out what he did? No, he. I mean, yeah, I guess, but he already had twelve priors before then for unlawful uh, arrest, uh, unlawful pulling over. You, uh, uh, what, what was the other stuff that he did? Uh, basically, he had twelve separate priors before then, and people are wondering why that police department kept them employed for after what he was doing. Yeah, absolutely, that, and that's what I'm get, getting at. See, the problem is deeper than just what we're we're surfacing. You know, the, we're going to label it this. But we got a deeper issue. You know, police departments need to police themselves better. You know, they need to do uh, – somebody was telling me, I can't remember exactly what it was, but to be, an, uh, be a law enforcement officer, you have to meet such minimum criteria to be able to do something so important in our communities. You know, you're, you, and then the standard that they're held to is so low compared to us. And in all honesty, it should be held at a, a, a lot higher standard. You know, they're upholding the law. So if, when they break the law, the magnitude of the punishment should be twice as severe in, in my eyes. Yeah, well, they have an oath they swore into when they took the badge. And on top of that, what do you do when, look, when it comes to this guy, I don't, we don't know if he's racist. No one spoke to him. No one, we don't know what his deal was. We, we don't know what Zimmerman's deal was either. You know, we don't know what was going on. And they, I personally think, see, Zimmerman's thing was a racist act because he profiled this kid in the neighborhood. Whether, it doesn't matter. Like, look at Alamo. We know what the center is. Okay. We know what the other side of town is. What does it matter if Shug's kid walks down to the other side of town? Who gives a shit? 
as long as he's doing nothing wrong and breaking the law, it doesn't matter if he walks through. But, it's, you know, what Zimmerman did was profiling, which ended up costing that young man his life. This guy was just being reckless, abuse of power, and ne and negligent, and wasn't listening. Why did it take three people to hold him down? Why did it take three people? Why did someone need to be on his feet? Someone had to be on his back. And why did he have two people could have held him down perfectly? Matter of fact, why didn't they put him in the car? If he was such a threat, he could only hurt himself if he was in this car. Why didn't they put him in the back seat? That's what I don't understand. Why did they take three people? What was he doing that was so bad? Another thing, man, just to touch on what Daniel said, you know, how the media, they, they title everything, you know, white cop, black guy. And, you know, I, I, I get that part. And, um, but it's when the black community see the same thing over and over and over. Regardless of what the internal thing may be, that's systematic. That's the process to get toward the point of being an officer, you know. That's that's not in our hands. That I mean, we can go to the, the voting polls and, and, you know, maybe change the mayor, the governor, whatever. But outside of all that, when you're seeing the same thing over and over, and then, like, I was talking to Daniel the other day, just it's a conversation that, you know, Daniel may not have to ever have. Now, he might have to talk to his kid one day, don't drive reckless, don't, you know, be speeding or whatever the case. But I, I, don't, I doubt he would have to have that conversation while driving while black. And that's a conversation that the black community had to have, you know. And it, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know. You got to tell your son, hey, you get pulled over for a signal light. Hey, just, you know. Just be respectful. Respectful. Do, do but, what they tell you to but do. But that's, that's already a that's, – that should be a given. He shouldn't end up dead for a broken signal light or mm -hmm. picking up a brush or cell phone, you know. Well, we're not taking away the fact that uh, minorities – have to basically go that extra effort and teach him something extra and not and you're right he may not ever have to tell his son that but i may not have to ever i may not ever have to tell my son that either because my son don't look hispanic he's white you know he looks white brown hair i mean he doesn't look like any of that but you know unfortunately history will show us that this behavior is learned racism is learned babies don't come out racist okay they see from the people that they're surrounded with the environment that they grew up in and where their situation lies as far as okay my mom and dad might not be but i hung out with my grandpa all my whole childhood and he didn't like black people so it's learned he wants to be like the person he's looking up to you know he wants to be like the parent he's looking up to you know maybe he had a traumatic situation where he got bullied by a black kid maybe he just don't like him because of that you know we don't know where it stems from but we also know that that's no excuse at some point we have got to progress we have got to move forward and realize that nobody would like it if what happened to George Floyd happened to my dad, his brother, you know, any member of your family. Like none. Like it. What makes it worse is that it always ends up being someone black, and when it does end up someone white, the outrage is still there. It's just they hadn't. It, it, no, no offense. It's just like the car. You know, the the white people hadn't had it enough happen to them. So us is familiar. I get that. But <laughs> how do I say this? <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunate, but this isn't going to change until something happens. And now something is happening. The country is standing up now. People in France know nothing about this guy. They just know what happened was wrong. They saw the video and they were able. You could have heard this story without social media and wouldn't thought anything else about it. Because when y'all saw when y'all saw uh, George Floyd's name on on Instagram or social media, what did you think? You just 
just a not another statistic, right? That just happened to be, you know, police brutality. But when you saw the video and you saw that all that was just an abuse of power, your perspective changes because you see, like, this guy was still alive. You, he could have still been alive had you got off his neck. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's unfortunate. But in order for us to change, everybody has to stand together. Just like with the coronavirus, everybody stood together to kind of, you know, let's quit the spread. Like, because people were dying. And now someone is dying. And like, pre- honestly, I think what happened to George was the straw that broke the camel's back with a lot of people. Like, a lot of people are done with it. But the funny thing is, on Facebook, so many people are getting exposed like locally who are commenting on stuff there, you know, people are like, look at this, you know, look at this asshole. And <laughs> they'll put like their posts and their comments. And it really, like I wrote on Facebook, people's true colors come out when situations get real like this, you know? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Any decent human being who sees that footage knows that it's wrong. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's white, black, Hispanic, anything. You just know if that was you, would you want to be treated that way? And here's another thing. Put your shoes. See, you brought up a good point, too, with the other officers. So you have three officers pinning this man to the ground. If you were one of the other officers sitting there watching what was going on, would you inter- would you have intervened in that? Would you have stopped that? Would you have said something different? I Yes, you're right. Because we don't, know, we don't know where this guy's position was over these cops. It's irrelevant, though. It, you're right. But P, I had, and you brought that point, and I'll get back to your question. Someone told on Facebook, well, why didn't the people videotape and stop? I'm sorry. The people who were videotaping were black. What, what would happen if you intervene on a cop situation like that? You either get shot or get arrested. It's no different than, you know, if we go way back to the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. and we go to the public lynchings, yep. I'm pretty sure it was black people that wanted to do something. Yep. But it's the fear. Who, who holds all the power? That's right. Who got the guns? Who got the whatever? The officers right there yeah. in the moment. And so. there was people there. Even there was even white people there that was videotaping and telling them that it's like stop. People yeah. who called the paramedics and said stop, get off him. You can't breathe. Whatever, whatever. And so history will show you any intervening will either get you arrested or get you in the same position. And 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 the thing about it is the the, the threat of the situation was over because he was handcuffed. Yeah. I don't I don't care what happened before. If he was on drugs, if he were fighting a radical, whatever the case might be. It's just like a sentence. When you use the word but everything before it, it really doesn't matter. Right, right. And, and, and everything happened before he was in custody, detained. It didn't matter. He no. was in custody. No. It, so it shouldn't happen. And and what he was, Daniel was getting to with this question, you're right. The superiority, it, it, the, the title and where you stand in the police, that, that's irrelevant. The cops should have stopped it. And I feel like now, looking back at it, and I even think then they're like, what the hell? What's going on? I think it all happened so not so quick because the minute what the videos were how long? Eight nine minutes. Okay. So when you're put in a position to say because when it had I have a lot of cop friends who say we back each other up, but only to an extent. That could have been stopped. Well, see, I mean, you know, I, I come from a military background, and I so I get what you're saying as far as you know the rank. We don't know what position that officer held. It may have been right. way above them other officers. Yeah. But I think they were called in, weren't they? They weren't there. It was just I'm, him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think but it, so. it, getting back to it is, you know, and even you guys, if I was ever to post something that was just way out of line, I'd expect one of you to check me on it. Even if, if even if it was up front in front of everybody or offline, if you text me like, yo, that that ain't right. And that's what we got to do with each other. We gotta we gotta check each other. And uh, he brought up a really good point. Riley did. He he just showed me something. So you said that you know. Racism is learned. It is taught to us, mm-hmm. whether it's indirectly or directly. Mm-hmm. And getting back to what I said about the media labeling things, our children see this, mm-hmm. and they're being taught through media. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so then they bring up a lot of questions. Now their questions should be innocent, and they should be like, "Why? Why should I? Why should I hate this black man because of the color?" That's the question that should be asked. They should be doubting why that is, that is a thing versus going, "Oh well, we already know that. That that's a thing. I, I know I'm not supposed to like this color or this color." So well, that's they, a good point that they, you bring they, up. But they also jump to the conclusion. Then I started people saying deflecting. Well, wasn't he a criminal? Wasn't with, wasn't he with DJ Screw? Because he because he was with that rap group a lot back in the day. And I'm like, what does it matter? It's irrelevant. What does it matter? What he was a person's a person's past. I mean, Nothing. okay. So and and then here's another thing. Uh, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that the officer and him, George, actually had uh, a history together. Like they actually worked at a nightclub or something, and they were bouncers together. So they actually knew each other. So that brings a whole nother. Sp- aspect to the to the you know situation you know was he being vindictive for some reason or was he just fed up with it but i mean like i said at the end of the day it's wrong because you know we want to say that you know it's the white race the black race you know hispanic race but it's the human race all right and that's how we need to start looking at each other because uh you know and when i call suge about this after after talking to you on the phone you know as soon as i called him he's like man I, i swear dude i was just praying about this and I was just about to call Jay and see, you see what I'm saying? That we're already in motion working on this independently. So if we reach out to other people and we can get everybody else on board, you know, cause you know, Suge's so respected in the community, man. He owns so many businesses. He does so many good things for the people, man. Works for the, you know, the county and, and you know, the athletics. I mean, I mean, you go out of your way. I mean, doing the podcast, bringing this to people's attention, you know, we got to do more for each other. You know, we've not all known each other pretty much the same. I've known you since like 2006, you about 2007, 2008, man. It's just, you know, my, uh, my, uh, cousin's wife wore a shirt a couple of days ago and it was on Facebook, man. And the shirt simply said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And that's where we got to be at, man. And me and me and Shug talked about it, you know, the rioting and the protesting and all that. See, I asked him about it because, you know, a lot of businesses, you know, a lot of black-owned businesses are getting, you know, torn to pieces and, and demolished. And, you know, and he's, I asked him, I said, well, how, how can you agree with that? And he said, look, man, they're hurting in a way that we can't understand. And sometimes it just needs to be taken to a next level so the attention gets, you know, brought onto the situation. And like you said, now it's a worldwide thing. I open up my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter – and you see all over the world, all these people posting all these pictures of him and, and saying, we stand with you. I mean, that, that's, that's a powerful statement. Now, do you think if they were doing peaceful protests, it wouldn't the anymore. media wouldn't cover it and it wouldn't have got out like it did? And then no. he would just be another smaller statistic in a, in a grander scheme of things. You're right. So I'll bring up two points with the protests. I mean, with the rioting. One, I can see the good in it. Because it's basically it's basically saying if you do this again, this is going to happen. It's a collateral. It's a you kill one of us, and this is what we're going to do to your economic system. Because look how many businesses shut down because of it. They were they were even boarding up windows for high fashion places in New York because they were scared they were going to get broken into. Did you see what happened to Target and Gucci and Louis Vuitton? They even broke into a dealership and stole vehicles. That in itself is a cry of. We're, we're sick of this. Basically, we're sick of this. And this you keep doing this, this shit to us, this is what we're going to do to you. And like Shook said, it's, it's, it's an overdue hurt because every, this is always, it's always a consistent thing. The Sandra Bland thing, they arrested her. She died in her cell. 
and they took a picture of her as a mugshot while she was dead. That's wrong. They they didn't want to. They made her look, and it, when she died, like her eyes were almost rolled up a little bit because they took the picture. They they tried to make it look like she was intoxicated, and died of something else or drugged up, because she'd been dead for a couple of hours, and they took a picture of her, to change the narrative. Instead of just taking responsibility and and holding the people accountable, this is what they did. Now, as far as the writing on on the bad end, pe- innocent businesses. If it would have happened here. Isn't you know innocent businesses have nothing to do with what happened and what the justice system and the cops do. Now it was me in Minneapolis and you know what happened to George. I would have went and burnt out the police station that he worked at. I wouldn't have tore up the businesses. Those people had nothing to do with it, and they 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 had to take responsibility for it. Unfortunately, but with that same breath, I can't take away that people's houses back in the fifties and sixties, black people's houses were being burnt down, crosses being burnt in their yard kids being you know beat up in the street you know kids being beat up and thrown in their front yard where their where their parents can see them you know i can't take away what happened in the history and i felt like everybody's just sick of it and so they're reenacting well speaking on the history see you brought up another good point see now we can all agree that it is it not crazy what's going on right now like it just seems wild i can't believe that it's still going on well here's the thing and this goes back you know like you said the 50s and 60s now back then you know we we all know the famous Rosa Parks, right? Right. What did she do? She refused to get up. All right. Where? What? So that was astronomical back then. That mm-hmm. was that was crazy. Was that it was, not? That was unheard of. Now look, see, here's the thing. See, this is what everybody's failing to realize is, it's not really what's going on now, but it's what we do afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because after that, is exactly. And see that now this might this will pass, but the issues at at hand are they're still going to be here. And if we don't do anything different than what we've been doing, then it's just going to be next year or the year after. We're going to be we're going to be sitting down talking about the same thing. It'll just be a different person. I tell you what, though, the the rioting and the protesting has lasted longer for George than it has anybody else, even more than Mike Brown. And he was, you know, gunned down in the street, whatever the reason may be, because they're like, oh, well, he was in the gas station still. And they had him on camera doing whatever. But that doesn't matter. They could have arrested him. And took him to jail, and he could have stood trial for the crime that, you know, going to the gas station, stealing or whatever. But to be shot down, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you would shoot a bear down. Like, why would he do that? In the middle, and then they wouldn't even let his dad go see him when he was in the ground dead. That was ridiculous to me. Well, you go. In, in this situation, you're going to have, like, you know, I heard somebody say the other day, three types of people. You're going to have protesters, you're going to have rioters, and you're going to have looters. And, and they're there to do just that. And, and, and most time the looters are just opportunities. They, 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 they're looking for opportunity right. to do something that they already was going to do. That's what most crime theft is. Yeah, you know, so, you know, and, and, and a lot of people going to, they're going to take that and run with that part. Yeah, so and, they're, and, they're and using this situation to do the, the crime that they were trying yeah. to commit anyway. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and I was talking to an elderly gentleman, and the crazy thing about it is, like Daniel was just talking about, what's going on today It's like, Man, I didn't I didn't seen this before. I didn't did this before, you know what I'm saying? But now it's just on camera. You know, and that and that hit home for so many people. Anybody that's have any morals about themselves, it was just wrong, you know. And I just don't want to hark on just the the whole thing with the Floyd situation, you know. But it was one of those situations where you like, man, when when are we gonna get justice? And it's and it's all like systematic, like and the thing about it is people holler about Hey man, we got a broken system. We got a broken system. It's not a broken system. 
It's a system that was designed to do just what it's doing. And that's what we got to stand up and, and focus on. It, it never was broken. And, and, and for young black men, you, you tell them that, hey, go out and do something well and be good in a community, in a system that was already set up for you to fail. And, and that's the hardest thing to do. And, and that's the transparency that we're trying to get across when we say black lives matter. It's, it's not, we know all lives matter, but if all lives matter, then our lives matter too. I think the whole our lives matter in this situation is a selfish thing to say because it's not about everybody right now. Yeah. It's about what happened. Right. Now, I don't know how many people agree with that, but they're like, oh, well, everybody should matter. Of course, everybody does matter because this isn't happening to everybody else. You know, this is happening. My thing is, things aren't, even when we were kids, and, you know, we used to be able to walk down the street and not have to worry about it in Alamo Bells, Mercy. Like now, I mean, I'm not completely oblivious to the fact that Crockett County has crooked cops. You know, one of my friends got gunned down that I graduated with, and I, ref- I still have not seen anyone get put, to you know, on trial for it or get, you know, t- basically, you know, take responsibility for his death. Whatever the reason may be. And and that's crazy because in small towns, this happens way too often. You know, this is too similar because there's not a big, you know, there's not a big web of people like stemming out to spread these stories. How many things happen? I mean, did anyone talk about the Black Panthers coming down to Crockett County in 2008? Nobody. We knew we were there. We saw it. We heard about it. Social media wasn't as big. We, all we had was MySpace. But... They tried to go don't into date the po- yourself now. Huh? Said so don't go out there dating yourself now. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I was working. I wanted to go too. It was bad. Uh, but you know, they tried to come to a football game, yeah. and guess what? They weren't allowed to go in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to go in, and they were basically they called almost the whole sheriff's department, or in in surrounding areas to go to Alamo where they were marching. And what happened with that? They were turned away, and what happened? I wasn't there. I, 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 I was working that day. So you might have to tell. Uh, well, I, I know at one time they was when it actually happened in Alamo on the Court Square, mm-hmm. they ended up in my barbershop. Oh, okay. So I, I knew they were at the Court Square and they were taking they, pictures they, of people. Yeah, it, they ended up in my barbershop. And they, 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 you know, the thing about it is it was something that I've never seen. And, you know, um, to, to speak boldly without a conscience of being harmed, was something like I've I've never experienced it, and 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 to come from places like it's hard to say. Like some things we might not say. Well, when I was younger, now you know I don't say what I won't say. You know, when you you're younger, you you fear the whenever when they leave, I got to I got to live here. I got yeah, to I got to deal with yeah this. yeah yeah. But you know, when you realize that this your life, you got to live regardless after any situation. You know. As long as you're standing up for right and, and saying and doing what's right. You know, and and back to the whole thing we was talking about, you know, the police officers and the whole Black Lives Matter and all that. When a, when a black person kills a black person, there's a conviction rate. It's 50, 50% or more. When a white person kills a white person, there's a conviction rate, 50% or more. When an officer kills a black man, the conviction rate is lower than twenty percent. That's a problem. Is it is that with white or black cop or just well, white cop and black? Well, that's white cop and black. Oh, okay. 
So, you know, and I didn't go farther into it, but, you know, I, the last two days when I talked to him, I've been looking at it. Mm -hmm. But um, that's an issue. That's the problem. You know, we, we, you know, if there is no conviction, just due process, the due process. If, if, if a black man is killed by a cop and he was wrong and the cop was in threat, he was trying to kill the cop and he ends up dead, that's just the process, you know. You, so let me ask you this. If, if it hadn't been filmed and nobody got attention, do you think that they would even have picked him up and done anything to him? I think that there would have been a um, – I think there would have been whatever was back then, uh, word of mouth. Yeah. He could have said whatever, I, oh, he was the aggressor, or he did this. Tell him. Tell him, tell him what he did. And, you know. Because the uniform and the badge always give the cop the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It never give the other person the benefit of the doubt. And I, I think it would have been the same thing that's been going on for years. And it's, it's a sad situation, but I, I think – in, in a twisted situa type of way, like, we needed that. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying it's death, but as, as as sickening it was to be on camera, the world needed this, the nation. And I think the nation as a whole, Every when, when I look at the protests and I see white, black, all nationalities, we're moving in that direction. You know, it's, it, it has awakened a lot of things and a lot of people. You know, it ain't about just you know, white, black, you know, even this diverse panel right here, you know, it's let me know we're going in a different direction, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like we all have the same thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Whether it was a, whether it was a one-sided conversation or not, I mean, people can get on here and say, oh, well, you know, you're just, you're all three just support this, but like, we're just talking. You know, we're just talking about it. We talked about everything. I personally think that um, the way people have come together, people that, I mean, like you said, I, I think seeing it made it real, a lot more real, because you could see it before. You know, you see it from a cop, you know, the cop car uh, footage, and you'll see, you know, people far away filming because they didn't want to get involved. But to see it so close and, like, watch it all the way through, it, it's sad to see someone just die in front of you. Because a lot of people, if you're not, you know, in the military or you're not in that line of work where that could be possible, you know, where if, if you're a doctor, nurse, and you, you're just not in the situation to see that very often, to see someone in front of you on, on camera sit there, beg for their life, and then die. That makes it real for people because a lot of people are not putting in their situation. Like, what if, like I said earlier, what if that was my, my brother Anthony? How would that hit my, you know, how would that have really hit me? You know, how, I mean, we can't even imagine how Trayvon's family felt, you know, getting a call saying, you know, you need to come down here and identify your son. And then you hear all the negative things about him. And then you hear Mike Brown, you know, whether right, wrong, or whatever. Like, you see this man face down in the, in the floor. I mean, well, the it's like it's getting back, you know, hammering, hammering the point home is about, you know, the, the media, man. It's just, you know, what does it matter that, that you know, George had priors or that he, he was looked at as this or that, that. That's irrelevant to the situation, especially, you know, the magnitude of what, what he was even being accused of, a counterfeit 20. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't, you don't, there, there's theft every single day in shops that are way more than that, and you're worried about something. And then, have you heard anything about that? That might not even have been a real thing. Uh, yeah, they could, said that he wrote a bad check. It, you and see what it I'm was saying? a bad check, and so they, they went to... So that warrants that, that situation? No, that warrant putting them handcuff. Hey, this is what you got accused of. This is what we found out. We're going to, you know, you have the right to remain silent. Let me put you in a, why did they have to slam him on the ground? Due process, just like Suge said. Why? I, I, I mean, let me because, add. and here's the thing. And this is the, this is the honest to God truth. And it's what people want to see. Everybody understands that there's racism and that some uh, others are being treated differently than others. But see, it, it's the thing about it is if it doesn't affect you directly, you just brush it off. 
But see, now everybody's seeing. See, this is what it gets back to the rioting and looting. Now, like like Shook said, everybody's got different. You know, I, I disagree with the with the the looting and the rioting to a certain because I feel like a lot of people are just using it. At, you know, just to do it. It's just a means to get what they were wanting to do, anyways. Like you said. But at the same at the same time, now it's affecting everybody because it's not just Minneapolis doing it. It's a lot of cities nationwide. So now it's affecting everybody. See, now these these white shop owners are getting their stuff vandalized, and it's affecting them. See, it, it's indirect racism is affecting them now. See, now it's a problem. Now I want to I want to speak out about it. I want to be. Why are you doing this to my shop? Why are you targeting my shop? And see, now you're getting. So, now you're feeling and, it. And that brings a good point because let's say these small towns that have dealt with racist owners who have their own businesses there and they can only get certain things from this. Like, cause, you know, there's some places where you can only get, you know, I don't know, I don't know, like a supply store. Let's just say that in a small town. And they could talk to people however the hell they want. And this shit happens. And then these people are like, you know what? We're going to show him. <laughs> we're about to go show him what's up too because like oh he's been disrespectful to everybody i've ever met and we're gonna show him that we're gonna bust this stuff up too and, Karma. And, Karma. And, 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 and a lot of mindset of a lot of the african-american community um we a lot of times we feel the only way that we can affect the the caucasian community is through economics hitting them with the where their pockets in their pockets and so if you you affect their their way of living their money then maybe Hey, look, let's let's do like you just said. Let's do something because it's reverse racism. It's like yeah. coming back on everything that you yeah. instilled is coming back to you. Yeah. The conversation changes when it affects you. You know what I'm saying? Like no one cared about the coronavirus when it was in Europe, but as soon as someone in Jackson or Memphis or Nashville, when it started getting closer to your hometown, then you got scared. Because like, I mean, it, it, oh, I don't want to veer off to that, but let me ask you a question, Shug. Just you know, because I want to know, with you being who you are, and the business you own and the people you're, you know, you you know, everything that you do, you know, school stuff, uh, sports stuff, business, uh, restaurants, all this stuff, the people close to you, how, how they were, how are they affected by this whole situation? Being that we live in the South and this is where, you know, this is kind of where it all started. How angry were the people around you about everything that happened? Well, all right. I had a conversation. I could have got her this morning. I had a conversation with a man and, um, uh, he was like, you know, he, he started talking to me about the, the surrounding states. And the first thing he said about this community, our community, is, man, we're kind of like, is this is the words he used, we're kind of like, man, Mayberry. You know, and what he meant by it is like, you know, we're, we're, we're a little small town and everybody's confined. So we're fine in our own circle because it's not really here, but it's all around us. But yet and still, you know, you have to speak up on it because we're looked at as a whole. Regardless if our community is fine with it, you still got to speak up for the rest of the world. You know what I'm saying? And for me personally, has it affected me? It hasn't affected me, me. But like I said, I, I, I don't consider myself to speak just for me. I, I try to speak for a whole. You know, so for as far as my business, Everybody's still cordial. Everybody's still the same. Now, I will say, unlike Daniel, uh, a lot of my, you know, my Caucasian counterparts, nobody talks about it. Like, it's one of those issues like, you know, you, you scared. Because the crazy thing, I, I remember when Trump would say the crazy things on Facebook. I mean, you know, everybody uh, give their own opinion. Nobody has an opinion about this situation. And that's, that's, that's the only thing that's kind of, you know, you'd be like, 
man, I see this dude every day, but he ain't got nothing to say about this. Mm-hmm. You know, and and talk I, about everything else. But yeah, and I, and I and like I said, I commend Daniel, man. Daniel, you know, and, and these are the type of people that I like to surround myself with, man, because. Like I told him before I came here, I was like, I just want to sit down and have a transparent conversation where we talk. I understand at the end of the conversation why you feel the way you feel. Don't mean I have to agree with you, but I understand why you feel the way. And the same with me. You understand why I feel the way I feel. And I feel like that's the only way we're going to grow as a nation. Because it's, it's, it's something that happened. Or like you said, if you grew up around your grandfather and he was racist, but your mom and dad would, who are you going to emulate? The person you was around. Yeah, the person you looked up to, yeah, the person you, know. you spent most time with. And, you know, like I've seen how Daniel treat, you know, treats his kids, and they don't look at anybody any different. Right. Just like the way I try to teach my son and the way you try to teach your son. Because why? Like, we, we're all connected to a lot of good people of all races. And why, you know, why sit there and, and almost bring that bring that enigma to people to where like, oh, well, it's okay to be cool with them, but, you know, over here, just be careful, you know? Well, well it gets back to what Sugar was saying. It's that small-town mentality. See, uh, it can be a good thing or a bad thing. Like you said, it's, uh, you know, the Crockett community is pretty good for the most part. You're going to have bad apples, but that's everywhere, and it, there's never going to be perfect. But there are other small-town communities that are on the other end of the spectrum. That will, You know, the whole community is understanding that, yo, we're going to be a racist community. We're not going to like a certain uh, color of people or race of people or, or anything like that. But, I mean, think about this, and, and you can contest this too, Riley. And, and back in the day, we used to play football all the time on the weekends. We'd play down at the center, and we'd play whites versus black. We did. But you we know did. how many altercations we had? None. In the five years <laughs> we did that, not a damn one. And we didn't play whites versus black for any other reason than just for bragging rights. Yeah. And that's all we did. Because there was athletics on both sides, football players, football players, baseball players. And we all knew each other. We grew up together. So there was never an animosity there. You know, and, and if you look at it from the outside looking in, they're like, man, that's kind of messed up. You know, why wouldn't they, you know, and I think a few times, I think a few times we, we switched it up. We, we, we did. Yeah, in. we did. We did. But uh, primarily that's how we played. But see, think about this. What if the news covered that? How do you <laughs> think that they would tell that story when they drive by the center and see that going on? Is it going to be a good news story or is it going to be a bad news story? And that's another thing. I know we're changing lanes and we're going all over the place. And that's why I feel like that, you know, the Congress and the president is trying to hijack the NFL. Because that's one thing that there's actually a brotherhood. Like, you know, you, you really, that's your brother, you know. And I know it's symbolically you're just on a team or whatever, but... You know, you go through things with people and people learn about things and ailments or somebody dying or whatever and become real friends throughout that. And I think that's the purest form, closest to the purest form of really brotherhood because you need that other person in order to gain whatever you're trying to achieve. That personal connection. Yeah, you know well, what I'm saying? And, well, the military's like that, too. Yeah, and I, and I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree, that, I agree with like that. that um, so it's just, man, getting back to – trying to teach it we, we're all the same man and 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 like i said it's tall it's tall bro it's tall and and the thing about it you're gonna have the good season you're gonna have the bad season but the thing about it is somewhere the morals got to kick in morally do morally was right you know if i don't like daniel but i see daniel kid riding down the street and he fall off his bike and scar his knee because i like don't like daniel i don't help that's morally wrong that's that effed right. up that ain't right. But, but it that's happens, our society. It happens, but it happens way too often. Yeah, that's our society. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and we got to get away from that. Well, tell me, tell me this, Daniel. Tell me this. 
where do you stand as far as like you're kind of in the middle because like you know we're really good friends and i'm hispanic you know you and sugar good friends he's black and then you have people who you may work with or not even really just work just around your area where you feel like maybe you get looked a little differently because you're on basically on the neutral fence of it i mean yes and no but again it's like you know and i'm not, i'm gonna be the guy that says it. It's, it goes back to that white privilege card it's like i'm allowed to have friends that are black and hispanic or any other race and it's okay but as soon as i don't know how it is but you know i remember years and years ago when he when sugar had his shop on the square i was probably one of the only white guys going to his shop and I used to go in there, it'd be five, six, seven, ten black guys in the barbershop. And I'd go in there, I'd get my hair cut and leave. I don't know what they say to Suge. Now, if see that that's the that's the way that it is though. It's 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 like I get a pass for things like that. You see what I'm saying? And and that and that's why you it's funny you said about people getting exposed on Facebook, because that makes me laugh. Because as soon as all this race stuff come up, you got everybody going, Well, well, my cousin's black or well my brother's that. my brother's wife this. is black. That, like man. that like that makes it okay for, for makes, whatever you no. have to say. And that's where people are for real getting exposed. Because I don't go, Yeah, I got this friend, Connell, he's black though, you know. Or you, oh, you, I got you know, a black yeah, why do I got to address myself like that or address him like that? Or like say, I shouldn't have to invite him somewhere and explain to the people that I'm with <laughs> that hey, before he shows up, he's black. Just let y'all know. Yeah, but that's how it is though. But you know, if you think about it like this, like you said, you were the only one going to a shop. Imagine if the situation were reversed and you owned the barbershop and he went in. Yeah, Shook shop. When I when I took my son there, it was always either it was, everybody was either cutting up, talking politics. I don't know if you talk politics, but it was definitely sports. But it was always like you went in and you just whether you were waiting or not, you were entertained because everybody was having a discussion. Well, I mean, the only reason I was allowed in the shop is because, you know, I'm a LeBron fan. So I got that oh pass from Suge. But I mean, but that's a whole nother conversation for a different time. You want me to tell you why you really was allowed to stop? <laughs> hey, Daniel could play the hell out of softball, man. That's how I met Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, uh, that's how I met him, though. You know what I'm saying? Uh, him and his brother, man. Uh, I had a softball team and uh, he, he became he got on my softball team and. Everybody that played on my softball team knew it, running Sean and all them guys knew him, but I was much older than Daniel, so I didn't know him. But, man, he li him and my brother live across from each other now, and it's like, hell, they party, they, they, keep, they party together. They, it ain't nothing, man. Walk across the street, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's well, tell me this. With everything that's going on and the way things are going, now they're, they're setting up more protests in Jackson since this one was actually a really peaceful one, and they got a lot of good feedback. And the cop, the local police, the JB, JPD, was actually going out there and giving waters to protesters and stuff like that. Like, I would see, and that's weird because no one really covers that. I mean, people who were there took pictures of it, but they would they would like a post like 200 times about what happened, but they won't even acknowledge the good things that the Jackson. Now, listen, there's a lot of – good jackson police and then there's a lot of bad you know but that should never exclude it um you know w with the protests that's they're trying to have one in alamo and now they're they're saying that they're going to have one in brownsville which is great like i want if everybody could just do it peacefully th the message will get across but it did take a little bit of the rioting and, and looting to basically make a stamp and say you know what like you keep doing this <laughs> we're gonna hit you where it hurts you know yeah i mean that that's just kind of what it is so tell me this, where do you want us, why do you want, I know obviously we all want the same thing, which is for the racism to stop. Being that we're, not, we're, you know, we're three people and we can only say so much, there's a mass, for every good person that wants this to stop, there's two of those one person. I mean, there's so, a lot of undercover racists are not going to let this go by easily. You know, a lot of them stay quiet. Think about how many people has actually been quiet. See, well, that, and Suge said this a minute ago too, so he said he applauds me for actually, you know, he has, 
I'm sure he has people that just want to avoid the conversation. You know, white, white, white friends that just don't want to talk about it because it, one, either they closet racist or they don't want to offend him. And see, at that point, see, this is the time when we need to talk about these things instead of instead of shelter ourselves and and, and closet ourselves. We need to, you know, be vocal about it, you know, say, hey, you know, we stand with you. We stand together because, again, at the end of the day, it, a human life was taken and it was very wrongly taken. And it not just a, a black life, but just a life in general. That was somebody's father, brother, son. You know, it, it's just. If anybody lost somebody that close to them, it would affect you, and it, it wouldn't be anything. I, I just hope that we can we can come together and we can you know discuss things like this, and we can all get on a mutual page. And, and just going back to what you said, it's I don't have to agree with what you're saying, but I can understand where you're coming from and why you view it the way you do. And as long as somebody can always explain to me why they think it can't just be like this is it and that's it. I need, I need some justification. Why do you feel that way? And then I got to put myself in your shoes or your shoes. And then that, once you start doing that, then I feel like people are going to change their opinion on a lot of things. Cause I was super against the ride. And when I first talked to sugar about it, I was like, man, that's ignorant. That's, that's, that's disrespectful to everybody. I said, they're just doing it to do it. And he was like, that's when he told me, he's like, look, they're hurting in a way that we can't understand. And they've been quietly protesting for so long and nothing's come of it. And they've just taken the next step up. And guess what? It's got national, Pick up coverage what, yeah, now and, coverage. and that changed my opinion i said you know what that makes sense you're right you know i didn't look at it like that and that's why we need to have these conversations well a lot of it like think about this martin luther king started a million man march that was peaceful nothing happened and it still didn't do anything year many years later i disagree what did you think it did here i don't want to talk about that yet. no i disagree i think it did a lot of good because again it wasn't so much what he did and see a lot of that peaceful rioting or protesting rather turned into law enforcement you know turning it into riots and they were water canning people and mm -hmm. they were you know tear gassing them you know peaceful protesters for oh for, okay no i see what you're saying right i wasn't saying that what martin luther king oh. didn't do was wasn't that didn't work i'm just saying like even after people sh you know stood up and showed out yeah but and, see and got again together, it's, it's the magnitude of the situation though see today that's okay because black people are allowed to be out in public and they don't have areas they're restricted to. But back then, that's not the case. So to get that many people together and be able to march down the street and go to areas they're not allowed to go to, that was a huge – see, that's what I was getting back to. The rioting seems crazy, but back then, that was crazy. Like, if you saw that on news, people people that were states and states away would just think that was just the most insane concept that that many people would get together and march like that. I mean, what do you think about that? Oh. I, I think the Million Man March was a great thing. I think it was necessary. Um, but, um, man, we've been marching for years, man. And, and and things change, but a lot of things are still the same. And, and we all know it. It ain't no secret. I just, man, it's just going to take us, man, just as as a whole, man. Like, I, I, I got a 12-year-old son. You got, you got boys. You, you got boys, you know. Our boys at some point going to go to school together, play in the same sports, or do something together. And we got to try our best to teach them, like, we're all one human race, man, at the end of the day, man. And, I, you know, I don't want to dig deep into, you know, Martin Luther King and all that. Cause, yeah. But it was necessary. We needed that. Yeah. But yeah, we know. I, well, I thought the Million Man March was, like he said, it was unheard of because people couldn't believe that he got that many people to come out. Right. But people were, like you said, so, so many people were silent. And 
and the fear of the blowback of what would happen if they intervened in something like that and what he was doing. But at that point, they were tired of it and they didn't care. So they're like, you know, we're going to stand by him or we're going to make this march. Because he made it all the way to the White House, didn't he? And then made that speech that I have a dream speech, right? So not only was that necessary, but it almost felt like people forget that that actually happened. I mean, they know it happened, but they don't, they forget it. Because I look at all the protests now, like people, I mean, countries are shutting down. I mean, you know, I think they did what, what they did at China was the protesters down there glued bricks to the to the street so cops couldn't go through. And so they had to literally go in there and remove every brick off the, off the street. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, um, you know, at, at some point, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is self-realization. You know, I, they always say that everybody has a little hint of racism and maybe, you know, everybody's dealt with a different stereotype you know not all blacks whites and hispanics are all the same you're going to meet some bad ones you're going to meet some great ones you're going to meet some awful ones and you're going to meet some really genuine ones and you know at some point we've got to quit looking at it as well this person is this and this and this and i'm this it's just got to be we all you know the only way this all can survive is if we all do it together and, and, and the thing about it is man it's being accountable yeah. just accountability man like you know for me to call you a derogatory name you know or whatever if I'm your friend, I'm not going to say something that was used to demean you or to, you know, if Daniel, you know, Daniel, if Daniel care about me, he shouldn't use the N-word towards me. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't use, call him out of his name, you know. And that's that's being accountable, man. If that's my friend and I do, he should be able to check me on it. You know, that's just the bottom line. You know, mm -hmm. hey. Well, he's checked so me before. Cool. He's checked me before on some things. You know, it's so. not cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and ain't nothing wrong with that, man. You know? No, it's, it, well, it's, uh. A lot of people need a reality check. Right. Sometimes you get out of uh, your own skin sometimes and you, you start thinking and you you get into your own, when you get in your own thoughts and your own thoughts and you live in your own room in your head, you start thinking like, oh, well, I, well then I know this is right. But then you need some outside source to come in and say, you know what, man, that was wrong. You know, let me tell you this. I've been in the shop before getting a haircut and Suge will drop the N word and then he'll, he'll put his hand on my shoulder and be like, hey, is that all right? I'm like, yeah, bro, it's your shop. You see what I'm saying? But just that small, simple gesture, you see how the magnitude of that, how far that goes. With it. Like if we all did that to ourselves and our peers, think about how just that small little gesture right there, how, how big of, you know, uh, impact it could make on our community. Mm -hmm. I've never seen Suge's shop just be completely, you know, rambunctious. He's kept it under control. He's always, like, make people feel comfortable being there. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't go to that. Man, he has know, all the yeah. He has all the sports memorabilia up, and I don't. I I can't talk sports. That's, that's I really... the thing I love about being a barber, man. For real, for real, man. Because I get to I get to touch every nationality, man. Mm -hmm. And I I, I get to, for those fifteen to twenty five minutes, I have you right there, and it's an intimate process between me and you. You know, whatever your thoughts are, whatever my thoughts are, and like I have so many people vent to me. I have people going through divorce talking to me. I ain't never been married. I have people dealing with whatever, finance problems. And they talk, they're bringing it to me, dude. And they're confiding to me to, because they, they don't have, it's, it's kind of like, man, uh, what is that, how the Catholics talk through this little door oh, or whatever. Oh, like confession booth. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of <laughs> the same situation, man. And I promise you, bro, it is so crazy when I get home at night not to sit and think. I'll be like, and people need barbers. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm just, and it's crazy, man, because. It's that extra ear, man. <laughs> it's that extra ear, you know? And it's, it's, it's like. But <laughs> <laughs> all people problems. <laughs> but man. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I, I got a hairline back, but it's not real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. It's good, man. Just to be able to, to bring different people together, man, and laugh, man. And just realize, man, we're a human race, bro. We're a human race, but. 
it's it's crazy man we're gonna close it up and before i close it up i want to say you know i appreciate you both coming in and you know i know some things you know when he was saying something you were saying something when i was saying something we all were listening to what each other said and although we may not have agreed with it we didn't go about it in a rambunctious or or arrogant way we listened we heard it out and we you know when it was whoever's time to speak we all spoke what we thought and changed it up and you know it's just one of the, like a lot of that if that went on more often and if these cops were all getting arrested for every crime they do then no cops would ever commit that crime again because if they were 100 percent convicted every time they killed somebody like that they would you would oh hey man there's no way i'm getting away with it because like the whole george zimmerman thing getting off on that completely opened the door as long along with the mike brown um officer that killed him and he got away with it so it's just like you know once things start being like you said held accountable and when conversations like this can happen and it just be reached into a mutual conversation, whether we agree or not, it will still a conversation. We're going to walk away with understanding and we're going to walk away with either with a new perspective or we got our perspective across. Um, Carnell and Daniel, I appreciate y'all coming in and talking to me. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Let's, let's discuss it with Jay. This is on Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and it will be shortly on YouTube. Uh, just keep a lookout for it and Black Lives Matter.